podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is Rich Roll and I am your host. And today we're going to do something, uh, I was going to say a little bit different, but actually it's going to be uh, quite a bit different. But first, we got to take care of a little business. Hey everybody, like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well being, courtesy of a doable, evidence based 12 week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. It's been uh, eight days since the election, uh, and I've been sort of collecting thoughts on what has transpired and what lays before us. And I thought I would take an opportunity to use this platform, use this podcast to share some thoughts and some insights with Julie Pyatt. Hello, Rich Roll. And our good friend, Daryl Ween. What's up, Roll Dog? You've uh, you've heard Daryl on the podcast twice before. He is the filmmaker along with his lovely, beautiful, and talented wife, Zoe Lister-Jones. They are the filmmaking dynamic duo behind Consumed. If you haven't seen that movie yet, please make a point of seeing it. It's on Netflix. It is. It's on Netflix now. That's very exciting. And uh, and yeah, so we're going to talk about the election. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about the Trump presidency. And politics is something that I have yet to uh, speak about on the podcast. I've actually refrained from uh, speaking about it really on social media altogether uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that, uh, you know, I'm trying to put out a message of inclusivity, uh, a message of non-judgment and acceptance and trying to promote, uh, just a healthy message that's accessible to anyone and everyone, irrespective of your political point of view. Um, so venturing into the world of commenting publicly about politics makes me a little bit uneasy. It's definitely new territory, but I felt strongly that I wanted to share uh, and share Julie and Daryl's points of view on what has been going on, because I think that there are uh, uh, a lot of people out there that uh, are confused right now, perhaps in pain. Some people are celebrating. I know that I have plenty of Trump supporters who listen to the podcast. Welcome and thank you for listening. Uh, if you do not want to hear a conversation about politics in the election, just tune out right now. Don't listen to this podcast. It's totally fine. We'll be back uh, this weekend, late Sunday night with our regular programming. But I did want to 
you know, I did want to seize the opportunity to share some thoughts. People have reached out to me and, and have requested that I do this. I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there who don't want to hear <laughs> what I think or, you know, sort of look to this podcast as a safe haven from political discourse. And I totally get that as well and understand that and appreciate that. Uh, but I felt like uh, I felt a sense of, of urgency and responsibility to at least share my perspective and the perspective of the two people who are joining me here today. So hopefully you're still listening. If not, uh, again, tune out. If you don't want to talk about politics or hear about politics, there's plenty of other places to hear that. So that's it. That's my big uh, prefatory message. Welcome, you guys. And thank you for convening here today to talk about this very divisive, hot button and uh, heated uh, situation that we find ourselves thank in. Thank you for having us. Today. Yeah, I, thanks so much. I so, think it's important that I, I look. I think doing a podcast like this is courageous and needed because I think, as a country, I think we've always been very hesitant to talk about politics in social settings and also sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like those two <laughs> topics when they come up, most people get uncomfortable and want to quickly veer the conversation to different territory. Well, also religion and then food. Yeah, that's true. You know, food. Those, but we talk about food all the time here. Things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, I guess I'm, I am like, I am, a, I'm like nervous, you know, I'm usually not nervous doing a, doing, doing a podcast at all, but I am a little bit nervous. Uh, on some level I, I'm going into this fully aware that perhaps I'm committing social media suicide. Everybody tells you not to talk about politics on social media. Um, but here we are. And I feel, you know, I do feel a sense of urgency and responsibility and I feel compelled to do this today. I mean, you know, if you don't mind me just interjecting here for a minute, I think it would be really, um, wonderful for you to share your back, your background and your connection to politics, um, from the time you were a child, the fact that you were raised in Washington, DC and you know, what, what have, what has politics been to you in your life and how do you view it and how, um, you know, what does it mean to you? What has it meant to you on a greater level? Because I actually think that you're, that you have a large part of your upbringing that has been, uh, really rooted in politics. And so share a little bit about how you feel and how, you know, how it was for you as a child. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I grew up in Washington, D.C., very much inside the Beltway uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, in my neighborhood, uh, right next door. Our next door neighbor was Senator Bob Packwood, the senator from Oregon, who, while we while he was our next door neighbor, weathered uh, a sexual harassment scandal, which was a big deal at the time. Around the corner lived the director of the FBI. My father was a government lawyer. He worked for the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, and when you live and grow up in Washington, you're surrounded by politics. Uh, it's very much, obviously, a company town. Uh, similar and sort of analogous to what it's like to live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles being a company town with respect to entertainment. When you live in Los Angeles, people talk about the movies, they talk about the movie, biz- the movie business and the music business. When you grow up in Washington, You talk about politics. That's all you talk about. And we were surrounded by Democrats and Republicans and 
you know, White House staffers and political pundits. And so I grew up in this environment and this atmosphere where that was just, it was just natural to discourse on these subjects as a matter of course throughout your day. And I would say that I was much more versed in the nuance of politics and what was happening uh, when I was 18 years old than I am now living in Los Angeles. I've distanced myself from it somewhat, and part of that is by choice. But yeah, I grew up in that environment, and I will say, you know, this was the 1980s. And I guess what I would say about it is that it was very civil. You know, whether you were Republican or whether you were Democrat, Uh, There was a lot of reaching across the aisle. I mean, you could have dinner or dinner parties with people that shared uh, political differences and it was fine. You know, we could we could sort of still communicate. And I feel like if, you know, the last 10, maybe 20 years uh, says anything about the political climate that we're in, it's that that's sort of gone the way of the dodo. Right. Um, so whether you're a Trump supporter or a Hillary Clinton supporter or a Bernie Sanders supporter or Jill Stein or, or, you know, whatever, um, I think it's fair to say that, that, uh, it's become a lot more difficult to communicate. And I think we can all agree that, um, we're pretty divided as a country right now. And, um, I think for me in the wake of this election, uh, the thing that has been the most difficult to process Uh, has less to do with the fact that Trump is president and a lot more to do with coming into an awareness that we are so divided, that there is a communication breakdown and uh, an inability for certain populations uh, to be able to see eye to eye on certain things. And that's very disconcerting. It's very disorienting. And uh, and here we are here today. So. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. And, and uh, I, I would just say that energetically from a purely sentient level from, you know, just be, being an empath, someone who can feel energy, and I'm sure, you know, many of you felt the same thing. I mean, we all felt it. Um, it was a feeling after the election that was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my lifetime in this current lifetime. And it was one of Uh, You could feel the trauma that was in the field or the trauma that was in the collective. And um, I think that, um, you know, it's very, very important that we um, do uh, face our pain, that we do admit that, that we do actually own that and actually uh, feel, uh, you know, the depth of that and, and really sort of face our fears or go into our fears as a meditation. Um, I think that's very, very important. Um, however, uh, I'm hoping what we get to uh, during this conversation is, is the fact that we do have to communicate. We have to communicate with ourselves and we have to communicate with our uh, community, our family, and we do have to find a way to communicate with all the people uh, that live in this beautiful country, um, no matter uh, which political party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agreed. I, yeah, I think, you know, just to kind of create a foundation here for this discussion, uh, you know, I was just to be <laughs> unequivocal and clear, uh, I was not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump supporter. Uh, he is our president now. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, what we all make of that and kind of what we do now, where we go from here. Uh, on election day, I remember going into, I was, I went into a meeting at five 30 and I looked on Twitter. I was like, you know, on my phone looking at it and it looked like 
Hillary Clinton pretty much had it sewn up. I think they were saying she had a 75 or 80 percent chance of, of winning the election. And when I came out of this meeting, you know, an hour and a half later, everything had changed. And suddenly, you know, Trump was president. And I remember feeling very, you know, disoriented at that news, um, relatively shocked. I don't think I ever really thought that that was possible, you know, irrespective of hearing what was coming out of Michael Moore's mouth and people like Bill Maher who were saying, listen, you, you know, this is not in the bag and everybody needs to be much more aware about where middle America sits, where, you know, working class people who are struggling, what their point of view is, what their perspective is. And I think we all underestimated that and the kind of undercurrent of dissatisfaction, um, disenfranchisement and, uh, and, and anger really that was going on. And that's really kind of what I want to get into the, get into, you know, and cultivating a greater empathy for that point of view and that perspective that led us to this day that, you know, I think at least with the three of us, we didn't really believe would ever come to pass. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I, I think that it was a shock and I think, uh, you know, for, for me, I'll, you know, I speak for myself that I, th I am in the bubble, uh, the liberal bubble, that is. Um, I believe the pollsters, I believe Nate Silver in 538 saying that Hillary was going to be, you know, 75% chance she was going to win. And then that night saw it drop down to 40%. Mm -hmm. So what does that say about our media and our pollsters and those types of statisticians? And in terms of going forward, I think what... Julie, you were just saying a second ago is one of the most important things that we need to do, which is open up our hearts despite our differences, whether we're a Trump supporter or a Hillary supporter or what a supporter of whatever you want to believe in and come to a place where we can see each other as human beings that we're all in this together. And how do we help protect our environment and the rights of everyone. I, I really do believe in fierce egalitarianism and I worry very much about a Trump presidency, really just because of the rhetoric with which he operated in the campaign with a lot of divisiveness, a lot of hate speak, a lot of xenophobia, a lot of sexism, a lot of racism at every turn. And, you know, I do think words matter. Mm -hmm. And that was a big question throughout this campaign is that you, you can say something or, and, and in terms of facts, you know, facts are thrown out and people aren't sure who to trust anymore. You know, it was shared over a million times on Facebook that the pump, I mean, that the, that the, that the Pope, <laughs> that's the, that Trump, Trump is the new, uh, <laughs> Trump and the Pope have uh -huh. become one, uh, that the, uh, that the Pope has had endorsed Donald Trump and it was shared over a million times and people were estimating that that had reached uh, mm. like almost over 10 million people through, uh, click impressions, mm. that kind of misinformation. The is, same thing happened with Tom Brady, I think, right? He said, uh, Trump said that Tom Brady supported him, but I, I don't, I'm not sure that was true when it, but it's like once it, he just moves, he moves on, you know, and, he, the, he, and the news he, cycle moves on and there isn't enough time to, by the time the fact checkers catch up to it, it's on to the next thing already. 
the, the, there was a recent report that said that 40% of what the right wing media was being, sh the, the information that was on social media was actually false reporting. And, and, and on the democratic side, 19%. I mean that those numbers are appalling mm -hmm. that almost on one side of the of the coin half of information that people and that's the way people are getting information they're looking on Twitter they're looking on Facebook you know Jeff Zucker who's the head of CNN came out and said we made a mistake we gave Donald Trump way too much airtime earlier in the election cycle without fact checking him mm -hmm. it, they were literally just putting on full speeches of his and not coming in and combating some of the things that he said, like 89% of uh, white people are being killed by uh, black perpetrators. Mm. I mean, that is a gross exaggeration of the facts. And Bill O'Reilly of all people came out and told Donald Trump that that wasn't true and that he needed to be held accountable mm. as a president, a potential presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. Right. So here we are. We have uh, a president elect who was is endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan and white nationalist groups. He wants to build a wall. He wants to repeal Obamacare. Uh, he wants to uh, eliminate the nuclear deal with Iran. He wants to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. Uh, he's promised to create millions of jobs. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do that. I, I, I understand that he wants to do it sort of through manufacturing and industries like coal and the Rust Belt. Uh, he, uh, he's petulant. He's reactive. He's impulsive. He's vengeful. He's told us who he is. And when somebody tells you who they are, you, you know, you have to believe them. And now we're in the phase where he's making his appointments for his cabinet. And it's pretty disconcerting to see some of the people that he is uh, positioning into places of great, uh, great power. Um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is sustainability and the environment. And Myron e. Bell, who is... Uh, leading the uh, the charge in terms of revamping the EPA has been dubbed the chief climate change denier. Uh, his second in command is a lobbyist who's worked with Dow and the Koch brothers. And that's very alarming and upsetting, you know, and it makes me feel like the work that that I do and that you do, Daryl, through your filmmaking and, and Julie, through your advocacy, everything that we kind of collectively stand for and try to put out in the world to catalyze positive change becomes tremendously undermined. Like the analogy I used the other day was like, I feel like the podcast suddenly becomes this raindrop falling into a waterfall, like moving in the wrong direction. And it's, it's upsetting, right? Could we camp out on the environment for one second? Yeah, let's you brought up Myron Ebel. I think it's a perfect moment to talk about him. So he's a climate change denier and goes against what people now know 97% of scientists around the world have come to a consensus that climate change is real. And he's now going to be put in charge of the Environmental Protection Agency. I mean, how about the irony in that he opposes the clean power plan and advocates for opening up more federal lands to logging, coal mining, and oil drilling. He's a director at the Fossil Fuel Funded Competitive Enterprise Institute and leads the Cooler Heads Coalition, which focus almost all of their energy on dispelling the myths of global warming. 
I mean, so in, in short, this guy wants to pretty much dismantle the EPA. He wants to reopen coal mining. He wants to approve the Keystone Pipeline, which is disastrous for our water sources and indigenous communities. He wants to reduce investment in clean energy. So all solar, wind, all of the alternative energy sources, which are so important for the future of our world and our environment, he basically wants to do away with. And he wants to pull us out of the Paris Climate Accord Agreement. I mean, this is something that Trump believes in too. And, and the U.S. is, I just want everyone to know, is the world's second largest emitter of greenhouse gases after China. Mm-hmm. So we are hugely to blame for climate change. The nations, our nation's pledge to the Paris Climate Agreement, which aims to keep the global surface temperature you know, increase to a maximum of, of, I think it's two degrees Celsius, right? Yeah, I think that's um, somewhere right to, to avoid all of the worst possible impacts is to avoid, we would have to avoid 22 billion tons of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions between 2016 and 2030. So that amounts to about a fifth of the total of all nations that have signed the accord. And the problem with this is that there is no, it's not a binding treaty. So there's no punishment for nations who that don't meet their carbon reduction target. And in May, when Trump outlined his energy policy in a prepared speech in North Dakota, he castigated draconian climate rules, pledged to cancel the Paris Climate Agreement and withdraw funding for climate-related United Nations programs. So, I mean, if he pulls us out of this, he might be able to get away with it. Mm -hmm. And what is that gonna mean for our environment? Right, As, as sort of a backdrop to all of this, we've seen a progressive expansion of executive branch powers over the last 25 years. And what the president is now able to do without approvals or any kind of checks and balances is much greater than it used to be. And when you combine that with a House and a Senate that is Republican, and an empty seat on the Supreme Court and probably another seat that will open up in the next four years, the cascading sort of domino effect that is now set up is, is you know, alarming to say the least. Uh, not to mention the fact that the midterm elections, which come up in two years, are heavily favored towards his party because I think the vast majority of candidates that are up for reelection are Democrat. <clears throat> I think so, it's, uh, eight Republican Senate seats are up for grabs in 2018, 25 Democratic seats are at stake, and 13 of those Democratic seats are in Trump strongholds. Right. So the circumstances are set up for uh, for far ranging, you know, a far ranging ability for his powers to, you know, be able to, you know, reach into areas without the kind of checks and balances that a more balanced, um, you know, bipartisan House and Senate would permit. So that's the other kind of climate that we're entering into politically. Um, but I think it, it, it bears noticing that, you know, when we look at, when we look at Trump and we see somebody who has lied repeatedly, uh, almost as if it's second nature, somebody who has, propagated misogynistic and and racist epithets uh, with alarming frequency. Um, It's important to, like, I'm always trying to get into the head of the supporter. And for me, it's difficult. Like, 
because I don't believe that most people are racist or misogynistic or bear ill will towards their fellow man. And, you know, perhaps there's a small percentage of loud people that do support that. But I think the vast majority of the people that supported Trump don't share those values. But I think it speaks to just how pervasive the level of discontent is and the level of disenfranchisement is with so many people that they're willing to take a flyer on this guy because he is proposing and promising radical change, right? So the undercurrent of, of malcontent that exists in America, I think, has been the driving force that put this guy in the White House. And that's something that we need to look at and redress. So how do we move forward? You know, how do, what do we, how, you know, where do we go from here? Where, how can we act? What can we do? How do we communicate with our fellow man? How do we build bridges rather than continue to blow them up? Well, you know, my whole approach and my, the whole way that I experience, um, uh, this event, uh, and that I choose to live my life is from a spiritual perspective. So I'm going to have very, a very different perspective than Daryl is as far as like how to things, things that you can do. But what I would say is that, um, from my perspective, um, we have to understand that, uh, the political system in this country and in most countries on planet earth is not a divinely clean system that is for the well-being of the people. <laughs> um, and it doesn't really matter which party you're in. Uh, there is corruption throughout our government, which is what, which is really the, if you want to look at any kind of aspect of this occurrence as maybe be, maybe a silver lining is that, uh, people did speak for a revolution. They they spoke for something that wasn't uh, the status quo. Some, even though the person that they ended up electing, uh, you know, has all of the uh, probably lowest expressed qualities of a human being, uh, kind of across the board. I mean, really throughout. This is not a being that is a leader, that is somebody to look up to. Um, I can't imagine any parent... Uh, if they really separated themselves from the financial aspects or their fear of survival, that you this would be somebody that would be someone to aspire to. Um, so what I would say is, again, is it's like we, we have to understand where we're at. And uh, it's it is a, a truth of an energetic state. Um, it doesn't matter who you voted for. Uh, there is trauma in the field and there is an impending feeling of revolution, of great change, great transformation is at hand. Uh, that is very scary and it is also very um, hopeful and it opens up uh, possibilities of opportunity of transformation. Uh, myself, I'm not holding uh, any of these transformational opportunities uh, or benefits or uh, evolution is going to come through Trump or anything that he's doing or not doing. But what this does to me is it catalyzes a call to devotion and a call to... Um, to connect with a source that is greater than your personality, to start to expand the, the view and understand that we are only one system in a vast uh, multiverse of life forms. And we have to really start to look intelligently um, 
as to what have been the events on planet Earth and how have we been impacted by it and where have we put our heads in the sand or thrown a baby out with the bathwater or turned to consumerism or sex addiction or pornography or apathy uh, to really not look at what's going on and to avoid taking responsibility um, for our life. Um, uh, I think that uh, this is a call um, that has been given us. It is a, a moment uh, where we have an opportunity to seize uh, this experience and transform uh, what seems to be a very uh, difficult, challenging, dire scenario into something of great beauty. So how do we make that transformation? <laughs> okay. You so know, I mean, but you, sort of to condense what you're saying down to, you know, perhaps a very simplistic sentence or two, the president is not our higher power. It's a call to self-governance. It's, uh, to me, it reminds me of the serenity prayer, you know, God grant me the, how does it go? Say it. God, it's an AA thing. God, God grant, grant me the, the serenity, serenity to, to change, change the, the things, things I can, can. the courage, courage to the courage to change the things I can, uh, the, now I'm sounding terrible. This like, how bad. do I not know this? Yeah. Like it's almost, You've been in, how many years have you been in AA? It's the wisdom to know the difference, right, the courage to accept the things, things I cannot, cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and, and the wisdom, wisdom to know the, the difference. difference. Amen. So what are the things we Basically. can't change? What are the things we can change yeah. and having the awareness of, of not trying to change the things that we're powerless to change. Um, and, and I think beyond that to extend that level of compassion, to people of all walks of life, right? So Daryl, you talked about being in the bubble. You know, I live in the bubble, you live in the bubble. Uh, it's about uh, a call to action to expand that bubble, perhaps, and to find a way to bring other points of view and other perspectives into that bubble or to pop the exterior of that bubble and to understand that at our core, we're all way more alike than we are different. We're human, so we want to focus on those differences, but everybody, you know, wants a good life. Everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody wants what's best for their children. What that looks like varies from person to person, and this election is uh, a tribute to perhaps just how wide that divide is in terms of what that perspective is and what it means, but how to move forward, Daryl? <laughs> Put it in my court. Yeah. With love, it's always about love. I, I think that I don't know that many right-wing Republican Trump supporters. I don't think I know any, <laughs> honestly, that are my, within my friends. You may and you may not know. I, I, think, I right, think the I, election really told us one thing is that there was a lot of people that were kind of quietly or secretly yeah. harboring an allegiance to Trump and you know there that that we weren't aware of it because Agreed. that's yeah. why all these polls were wrong. Yeah. And uh yeah, I I I would like to I would like to have a, an honest conversation with someone who has a different point of view than I do about politics. And it it's increasingly difficult with the algorithms that we have on Facebook and social media. You know, they they every ad and every friend that's recommended is really just an extension of the people that already share a lot of 
your interests and beliefs. Right. It entrenches the your whatever bubble you find yeah, yourself. Yeah. You in. you that bubble is almost it's it's half self created, half uh, kind of engineered at this point. And I think it's really up to each individual person to break through that bubble and get out of that echo chamber. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that because it's easy to be comfortable in your patterns and in your routines and in the safety of the bubble. Well, it's also frightening, especially in kind of polite circles, because you don't want to end up in a conflict with somebody and everybody is so easily inflamed on both sides of of the aisle right now. So it becomes tricky and it's just easier to just not. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've been told that that is a very American way, you know, like I. I, I had a, a French uh, brother-in-law for a moment <laughs> who's no longer a brother-in-law. Um, but we got into it. We would get into a lot of conversations about this. Uh, and he would say, you know, we, we always just say what we feel about politics. And there's almost like all those pleasantries and, you know, uh, being so courteous and backing away. If, if you feel that sense of confrontation coming, you know, it, it's it's almost as like a European, I don't know if it's a more European thing. I've never lived in Europe, but I think there's a decent, respectful way to talk and debate with someone. And honestly, it's it's only gonna make us stronger if we start to hear other people's points of view. I, you know, I heard about a great program recently, which is a pen pal program between Democrats and Republicans. I've, I've seen actually a few pop up and it was something that I myself actually was thinking about trying to do in the wake of this election, seeing how divided our country was, that you actually have to go out of your way and form a relationship with someone who lives in a completely different place than you, or maybe even in your city who just has a completely different point of view, whether it's over a beer or whether it's, you know, writing emails back and forth and just getting to know each other. Because in my heart, I really do believe if you come together with someone, even if you have wildly opposing views and you see them face to face, and their humanity in front of you, that there will be a feeling of love that will supersede any kind of potential negative outcome. I, I, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think that the energetic connections, Julie, that you talk about all the time, I think is what's very needed right now that we do need to, we can't just stick in our circles on both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need we need communication. We definitely need very very hand to hand, heart to heart contact with our community, with our loved ones, within our own families. We have families that are on different sides of of the election as well. Um, but what I need to what I would like to point out right here is uh, what we're talking about is not something that's so simple. Um, this is a, a result of, of, of structure, an energetic structure of, of what a belief system is. And if you look at the history of the planet, you can see that belief systems um, have been uh, the catalyst and the reason for a lot of bloodshed, war, and tragedy on the planet. And I think anybody uh, that is human can take a moment and feel inside themselves. And if they reflect on the quality of the opposite candidate, 
that they uh, hated the most or abhorred the most, um, you can access a violence that is inside of your body. It is inside of your heart. It is inside of your muscles. It's inside of the human being. And this is where um, we need to really understand that belief systems um, uh, can create our own prison. They create separation. They are, in fact, I would classify belief systems as violent. Um, this is one of the reasons that uh, Rich and I, through sharing our plant-based uh, lifestyle, that we uh, really have had an open door and open arms. And we have, you know, friends and, and people around us that are in all different levels of experiencing what it means to live a plant-based lifestyle or not eat animals or uh, whatever that might be. But um, a belief system is, is, a, is an implant and you need to recognize what it is first so that you then can go take the actions to uh, practice yoga, to identify it, to meditate and release this, um, maybe go out and run, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to release this energy from your body. But understanding that we are all part of the human collective and we have this violence within ourselves. So one of the hardest tasks of being uh, a, a truth seeker, of being somebody who wants to be an agent of love for the change and for transformation is that you need to commit with eyes wide open to look inside the human condition and take responsibility for your part in any of these lower vibrating processes that have happened. Like for instance, I will just take, uh, Trump's, um, uh, um, identity of perpetrator against women, the comments that he has said, the things that he's been accused of the women that have come forward. And, uh, you know, as a woman and as somebody in the human collective, the way that I can help heal this is by looking inside of myself and taking responsibility for and admitting any time that I used sexuality to manipulate a man, any time I played into that paradigm of princess prince, like I was a princess that needed to be rescued by a prince. So, you know, he said it out loud and it exists on our planet like, like a fungus. It's everywhere. And so, um, Again, you know, grabbing onto belief systems takes a stance of really us and them. You know, I'm here and you're there. And I believe a really powerful thing that we can do, that we can do now within our own being is to take responsibility and really start to inquire within ourselves what part we have had in these um, imbalances that are running throughout our entire collective and society. To just say something uh, about taking responsibility, which we saw in the campaign, Trump never really took any responsibility or apologized for some of the mistakes that he made. And I think that says a lot about his character and about the direction that he's trying to lead his party and the country into. I mean, to have that many women step forward and say that they were sexually assaulted by him in the ways that they did to have that tape come out about him saying that I grab women by the pussy. This is our now coming incoming president to have women across so many women still vote for him after that. What does that say about the psyche and 
and women's psyches around the country who, who may be still living in a battered housewife syndrome type of frame of mind, who might be afraid or feel subservient to the patriarchal yeah. system with, with that our world has been under. Totally, or not even that. I mean, I'm just walking around as it, it, thinking you're a free woman. What I'm saying is that that yeah. is a paradigm that exists in our society, and we're only now. I mean, this is an imbalance that has been implanted against women thousands of years ago. We are the ones with the that kept the spiritual flame, that had the ability to know, that had the intuition, that had the capacity, and we've been objectified, and we've been uh, put into a condition of slavery, really, in, in many ways. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you 5,000%. And I guess what I'm saying is uh, I did not vote for Trump uh, and, and would never. Uh, um, I, I, uh, what I'm saying is that in order to become empowered, I have to stop being a victim and I have to uh, find the solution within myself in order that he does not um, gain power over me. Right. I agree. Right it's, it's, it's almost easier said than done when Steve Bannon, who is now going to be his, one of his chief advisors, chief strategist, chief strategist runs one of the most conservative, all conservative right wing media sources, which will now essentially be a right hand arm media organization to the the yeah, white so house it becomes adjunct yeah an ad, almost like an adjunct agenda driven potentially propagandist media machine breitbart called breitbart uh it's hard it's almost it's easier said than done when people like him are saying things like birth control makes women unattractive and crazy that's a direct quote from his mouth other things that he has said is, would you rather your child had feminism or cancer? That was, a, I think that was a headline on Breitbart. I don't know if he wrote that article, but he's lording over Breitbart where articles such as this are, are getting published. Exactly. And that is a very scary thing to everyone who's listening to have a, a, a very almost white nationalist, white supremacist type of organization pushing out media in the way that they are, whether it's about women or whether it's about immigrants or whether he also said that he didn't want his kids going to school with, with, with Jewish kids, something like that. Oh yeah. I mean, the anti-Semitism, I mean, has been rampant and, and in the wake of Trump becoming elected, we, I mean, we've seen swastikas being spray painted all over. I mean, hate crimes are up. I, I wrote down a, a little tidbit about that, that the Southern Poverty Law Center put up a form on its website just recently encouraging people to share details about potential hate crimes. And the next day, I just thought this was crazy, they, they had already received 250 reports in one day, more than they're used to seeing in six months. Mm-hmm. I mean... So obviously what we have here is, again, going back to this undercurrent of anger and disaffectation that's happening that is at a fever pitch and far more pervasive than I think we all realize. But in order to uh, heal that, address it, and move past it, we have to be able to see it. And this election now allows us to see something that perhaps we didn't really fully, uh, weren't fully cognizant of just how, um, how large it is. 
like a giant pustule, right? That's been there, that's now popped to the surface. And now we have the opportunity to have conversations about it and to address it. And my hope is that we can somehow heal and, and move past it, which brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, communication, uh, expanding the parameters of our, of our respective bubbles and finding a new language to be able to communicate with people of different points of view. And I think, you know, in thinking about that, it requires, and I think it requires uh, a well-developed uh, sense of self and of personal boundaries uh, and non-reactivity to be able to lead with love and with compassion and to not go into these exchanges or these conversations with an agenda, but to really put yourself in a place where you can listen and be quiet and hear somebody and then extend empathy for that person's point of view as a means of building a bridge to at least being able to have a healthy, productive dialogue. I think that's great because I agree with something you said earlier, which is I don't think all Trump supporters are inherently racist, sexist, of course not. misogynist. I think they were, they're a lot of people who are lower income, working class are desperate. They're, they can't afford to pay for their their hospital bills, the minimum wage is too low. So let's the system has failed them and right, the exactly. Democrats have failed them. Right. And so it, in a lot of ways, I think the vote for Trump was really just a bomb on the system. It was a way to shake it all up. And I think they saw Hillary as the politics is politics as usual. She comes from this legacy that has in many ways failed them or they, they saw issues took issue with. Um, and they're, and you know what? They're right. Th there are, there are elements, uh, I think that yes, there, there have obviously been missteps, um, within the Clinton administration, but I mean, I will say definitively that I do still think that she would have been a stronger position a stronger president for, for, for all people and more inclusive. Um, and we now, I think, for all of the Trump supporters and Democratic supporters that are listening, need to really hold him accountable and, and really pay attention. I think more than anything, what we all realized was you can't just sit it out anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to engage. You have to pay attention and not be passive if yeah. you want the world to be the way that, that you want it to be. If you want opportunity, if you want to have resources, whether it's beautiful nature <laughs> as polar ice caps are melting and sea levels are rising, or whether it's, you know, a, a, an economic, economic security and the minimum wage hopefully going up under a Trump presidency. Yeah, there's a certain strain of the media and in journalism at the moment that is normalizing a situation that is far from normal. Uh, I don't think that it is responsible to normalize what's happening. What's happening right now is unprecedented. I don't think we've seen anything like this since the days of Abraham Lincoln. Like what's going on is really uh, historic in many, many ways. So what to make of it and what to do moving forward. And I think, you know, to kind of piggyback on something you just said, uh, it's important to be supportive of intelligent grounded individuals who hopefully 
uh, will be recruited into the Trump, Trump administration. So for example, if somebody, we can't malign somebody for joining the Trump administration, uh, like if, if they're a Democrat or somebody who is not part of the alt-right, because we need to have as many smart, independent thinking, grounded, intelligent human beings around that individual as humanly possible. Are there any that, that are being talked about? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, not that I've too, seen. it's too early to tell. The people yeah, are, I mean, I mean you have of, Newt Gingrich. Sure, there's a lot of ideologues, but then as right. we kind of move down into, you know, it's like how many jobs need to be filled, like thousands and thousands, right? Yeah. So my hope is that some great people will end up in his administration and we need that. And, and we can't, we can't uh, criticize those people if they end up making the decision to, to, to join ranks. I think that's what Obama did brilliantly was that he, he didn't lead with agenda. He really did try and reach across the aisle and I almost to a fault. And oh, yeah, I know. I, I think it was to a fault, but I think it, it's, I just hope Trump will, will look towards some democratic, uh, Congress, congressmen and women and work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that again, this is a call to spiritual awakening. That's what it is at, at its core, because no matter how long we talk or how many experts we discuss this with, um, this is not, your life is not going to be resolved in this political outcome. Um, but what I am feeling, what I feel is true is that you will be brought to your knees, uh, in, in reverence, in respect, and in the trauma that uh, is part of transformation uh, coming into fruition. Of course, none of us like that. We always want it to be easy. We want it to be peaceful. But let's face it, uh, all great change is usually born out of uh, extreme hardship. Um, and I wish, you know, grace and ease on every being. But what I really am speaking to is that this is an opportunity for each being to understand that your source is your direct connection uh, to the greater force from which you incarnated um, you are not connected to this political party um, as, you know, the means to your uh, your energy source. Uh, so I think it is a call to really go inside, to develop a meditation practice, um, to start practicing yoga, and to really, really connect with what is residing in your heart. How were you created? Because each one of us was created in a perfect blueprint. We all have something unique to share. There is a lot of action that will be required. It is a call to action right now. But what we need to be able to access is the neutrality and the zero point um, between positive and negative, between right and left, between Democrat and Republican. We need to anchor into this powerful Jedi warrior energy of neutrality. And we need to work swiftly and we need to work intelligently and responsibly. So I'm not advocating that you go sit down in your yoga room and, you know, just go, everything's going to be fine. Uh, but there is a way to be a warrior in action from a detached um, manner. And it's a true service uh, to um, transforming, to creating a better way and to rooting out some of these very imbalanced, negative, predatory, traumatic paradigms that have been ruling our planet. Um, so please, um, take the call, 
we need you and um, be gentle and kind and loving to yourself and to others. Yeah, I think that particularly holds weight if you're experiencing anxiety right now or fear. Like, I'm a privileged white guy. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these words coming out of my mouth are easier are, are, are easier to say because I'm not an undocumented, you know, immigrant. I'm not uh, a member of, of a racial minority. Uh, I'm not feeling the level of persecution that I think a lot of people are feeling. So, because <clears throat> and out of our privilege, we need we need to be working the hardest. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think that. But I think the meditation practice and all of these kind of principles that Julie articulated can be very helpful for some for all of us, of course. But for partic- in particular for somebody who is experiencing that level of you know distraughtness. Uh, is that a word? Distraughtness? Um, yeah, feelings of being distraught. <laughs> right. And I think as a, you know, privileged white person, uh, it's incumbent upon myself and, and, and people like ourselves to make sure that those people out there, whether they be, uh, you know, racial minorities or, or women or what have you, the people that are feeling uh, the impact of this most heavily, that we're a means of support. I think that that's beautifully put. I think it's a, almost like a two-pronged approach. It's like taking care of yourself and not letting being overcome with negative energy or depression and sitting it out, sitting out in your life and not being living, really trying to find a way to live to, to the best of your potential and meditate and eat healthy and sustainably and organically. And at the same time, being engaged and being active because right now so many vital things are in our world are under threat. We are about to see a potential threat against reproductive rights, which if a right-wing Supreme Court justice is put in, which it's looking like it will, will be, which will shape the court for decades, that could potentially mean the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I mean, women in this country may not be able to get an abortion. That is dead serious. That could happen in the next couple years, I mean, four years, who knows? We're looking at, you brought up immigrants. How many millions of immigrants could potentially be deported out of this country and have their homes and family lives ripped apart? Kids right now who are afraid that their parents could be shipped back to Mexico or Syria. And you know, we're seeing intense sexism, intense racism. Look at how many shootings we had this past year. Black Lives Matter, which have been happening, which has been happening for decades. We just know about it because of social media. We need, we need to deal with mass incarceration. We need to deal with being more tolerant of people of other races and seeing them for who they really are and stopping jailing them for petty, petty crimes and having a tiny bit of marijuana. It was, it was great to see that marijuana legalization passed in a, a yeah, few different countries. There was a countries, lot of state referendum victories. Yeah, many. Um, and f- how about free, and free speech and legitimate news sources coming under attack? I mean, Trump said on the campaign trail and continues to say, I don't know if he continues to say this, I hope he doesn't, that he was gonna open up, reopen up libel laws and potentially sue journalists that were essentially attacking him. 
I mean, first off, there's no libel law to even open. It doesn't exist. Free The First Amendment, free speech is alive and well. Or is it? I don't know if it is. And right now, what you can do is subscribe to the New York Times, subscribe to the Washington Post, read and subscribe to ProPublica. Good sources of investigative journalism, good reporting, which are based in fact, Mm -hmm. not misinformation. I don't have any ties to these people. I'm an artist, but I believe that we need to have, we need to return to a moral and ethical center that is true and just. And there's so many other organizations that people right now, if you're wondering what you can do, you know, that, cause that's, I think the biggest question, if we could talk for a minute about yeah, that, of course, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it can feel right now in this moment with all the feelings that we're going through this roller coaster ride that we've been on. What do I do? Who do I even look to, to, to tell me what I should, who should, who can I trust? Well, if you care about any of the organizations or, or sorry, the causes that I just said, I can tell you a number of organizations that would be really amazing to help support like Planned Parenthood or the Center for Reproductive Rights. If you care about women's issues and women's rights and abortion, you can report, you can help donate to the ACLU. You can help donate to the National Resources Defense Council who are working tirelessly to help combat climate change. I did a PSA for them about the drought, which is still a very real thing in California. Hopefully we'll get some more rain this year. You can help donate to every town for gun safety and gun reform because we don't need to have people who haven't had extensive background checks with semi-automatic weapons mm-hmm. going into schools like Sandy Hook and killing 20 kids. There's a number of organizations out there and I encourage everybody to take the little bit that you have. It can be $5, it could be $10. And if you have a little bit more, great, try and spend that. And you can start there and then you can also there's so many petitions out there that that need to be signed. One of which is not allowing Myron Ebel to be in charge of the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, there's a petition going around right now about Steve Bannon, about Breitbart News, and whether that's ethical, which people can sign onto. And there's also a number of uh, state. Um, level democratic races that are really important. The North Carolina attorney general, Roy Cooper, who is a pragmatic progressive, he needs help. He's, he's only had by 1600 votes in the race uh, for governor of North Carolina. And he's potential, he's facing a very expensive recount. And he, right now he needs to raise a million dollars to ensure every vote counts. That's, that's a democratic race that you can support, or maybe it's Standing Rock. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people who are listening even know that Standing Rock is going on because it hasn't been reported on in the mass media. That they It finds its way into my uh, social media feed in my bubble, whatever algorithm. It's definitely channeling that news to me, but perhaps there's a lot of people out there that, that don't know much about what's going on there. So maybe you could just articulate you know, concisely what's happening there and the extent to which um, the Trump presidency is implicated in this. Through, I think he's got $500,000 invested in this pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, no, I'm not an expert in what, what all of the ins and outs are of it, but in short, they are trying to put a, a pipeline uh, in under indigenous ground. And 
similar to what I was saying before, it's something that will potentially contaminate, and not even potentially, it will contaminate our aquifers and our water sources. So the people in the region won't have access to clean water and already don't have access to a lot of clean water. They have been protesting it. Look at how, what, the way we've treated Native Americans in the history of this country is, is shameful. It's abominable. At this point in time, to, are we really dealing yeah, with this? Are they really doing that are again? Are they really doing Seriously? that again? And yes, they are. There are thousands and thousands of people down in Standing Rock. There was a, a, a protest very recently led by uh, activist celebrity Shailene Woodley, who you might know from the Divergent movies, trying to raise awareness about what's going on. They are harassing protesters. They are a man drove through the other day in a truck with a gun and fired it up into the air to get them out of the way. These people need supplies. They need help right now. They're just trying to peacefully protest this pipeline from going in. So that's another organization. They actually shot a group of native children uh, in their teens. Well, are these like uh, rubber bullets? Yeah. Aaron Schrode got shot. Who Aaron Schrode is a young woman who ran for Congress this past year who I've been trying to get on the podcast. It's so, devastating. And yeah. they have an Amazon wish list which you can go to and help buy things like TP, you know, helping to put up a TP, uh, helping to give them food and water and blankets. They have a defense fund. You can just easily Google this. This is an easy thing for someone to give five bucks. Right. And a lot of the resources that you've mentioned and websites, et cetera, uh, were you and, and, and Zoe sent out an email the other day with, with all this information and with hyperlinks. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for people that are interested. Mm -hmm. So if they want to take action or feel compelled to do something, that there is an avenue and a channel for um, that activism and that voice. Yeah. And also a very, very obvious thing that you could do today. You could even do it tonight. You could do it at your next meal. You could adopt a plant-based diet and just eat plants on your plate. Um, just by doing that, you're saving an animal's life and you are saving thousands of gallons of water and you are contributing in a very powerful way to healing and preserving our beautiful, beautiful environment of mother earth. Please do not underestimate the power of that act. We must vote with our dollars um, and please shop organic and as much uh, with farmers as possible. Um, this is a powerful, powerful act you can take. It will also um, start to bring you into resonance with your deeper heart's uh, design uh, and you will start to feel more powerful, more energized and more connected with who you really are. Right, to uh, exercise self-governance over your consumer choices, to exercise greater responsibility with respect to your actions, aligning your actions with your values, uh, and making sure that you're maintaining your own health. You cannot be of service to other people unless you're first taking care of yourself, which is, you know, Daryl, you were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, we don't want to be reactive. We don't want to be, um, you know, sort of uh, impulsively responding to situations and people. And in order to be able to be a vessel for change and for hope and for positive and for positivity, <clears throat> we have to be very conscious of, of, of our energy, right? We have to take care of ourselves and we, we have to understand the, the, 
dividing line, the distinction between uh, judgment and um, discernment. And discernment, of course, right? So those are two different things. How do we exercise those in the world? And it's easier said than done. It's tricky and it's different for all of us. Uh, but with respect to myself and what I take away from this and what I can commit to and put into action immediately is expanding my bubble, is leading with love, is extending um, you know, my voice in a compassionate way to try to invite other voices in and understand them and to make sure that those around me who do feel threatened feel safe at least when I'm around or at least that I have their back. Make your voice heard. I think uh, one of the best other ways that you can really make a difference if you actually believe in a lot of the causes that we're talking about is to also call your local congressman. Mm -hmm. Pick up the phone. How easy is it? It takes two minutes. It takes two minutes out of your day. I know it's uncomfortable to call what you think is a stranger, but we're all in this together. I, when I was trying to help lobby against Monsanto and a lot of the big biotech corporations when we were making Consumed, at every turning point, I would pick up the phone when the Dark Act was trying to be passed and I would call my representative and I would explain to them, I don't think that this is good for the environment. I don't think this is good for my health. I don't think that this is safe yet. Why are we passing this? Let's do more research. And we can do the exact same thing right now. And I just want to point to what Emily Ellsworth of Salt Lake City, Utah said recently. She spent six years working for a congressman. And she said, to break through the filter bubble, one of the most effective things you can do is to pick up the phone and call your congressman because they have to legally talk to you. Uh -huh. <laughs> and if their phones that's a beautiful are, thing if right? their phones are jammed all day with people who care about an issue then that is put higher up on the agenda for them to discuss they don't want to have to be clogged all day with angry vitriolic you know a, a, a mob of people about an issue they want mm. people to they actually want to solve things and get things done so that if you really care about reproductive rights or the environment, any of the issues we talked about, I really encourage you to look up who is your, who is your senator, who is your representative, and call them and fight for what you believe in. And but you, you don't have you, to do that. You don't you, have to be angry. You can do it in compassion and love. Of course, no, do it in a, do it in a, that's of course, that's what I mean. Keep is, your neutrality. Is to do it in a way that, and that's the way I did it too. I, I literally led with my heart and it's not about, it's not about shouting at the top of your lungs. It's, it's, a, it's, it's honestly just about what you truly believe in is the right thing and the best thing for, for the world and the environment. And you, and you do that with, with compassion and with respect. If you don't know who your local representative is, your congressman, your senator, uh, or your state representatives, the easiest way to find that out is to go to whoismyrepresentative.com and you can find out all the information. They have there. a website for that? They that's do. awesome. For people like mm -hmm. me, that's great. Um, yeah, I think also that, you know, uh, knowledge is power, you know, and having your eyes wide open and being able to see what is transpiring in front of you um, 
is intelligent um, and it gives you the information to uh, steer your own life and the lives of your loved ones and the lives of your community in a positive direction. Uh, so by no means um, uh, does having a spiritual perspective mean that you do not look at what is happening in the events. It's more uh, the mastery of our emotional state and how we come to uh, uh, an event and how we can shift things uh, for a higher uh, result, a higher vibrational experience and ultimate transformation. We must remember that all humans are brothers and sisters, no matter race, gender, religion, uh, hair color, uh, artistic flair, whatever it is. Uh, we are all one. We are not disconnected from the acts of the human collective. Um, and we are also not separate from our animals and also from the planet that we are riding on. Um, uh, this requires a uh, uh, for me, a devotion, a reverence, a respect for the fact that we have been given the privilege of being in a body at all, of being in a life at all. And so the question for all of us at this very profound moment in history is, will you take the call? Are you ready to stand up and take responsibility for your soul, for your heart, and for your life. You were created for a specific expression, and this is the moment now. We are the ones we've been waiting for. No one else is coming. There's no one that's going to float down from the sky and change things. It is up to us. And if you take personal responsibility, if you devote your life to a spiritual practice, to connecting with something beyond yourself, and you have the courage to look within your own self for any imbalanced energies that are running there, jealousy, greed, uh, predatory, sexual imbalance, addictions, um, you can understand this, this may be your own experience, it may be an ancestral program that you were born with, but in any any case, these things can be cleared. They are not you. Uh, the truth of who you are is a beautiful, powerful emanation of creation. And uh, we need you to be more of who you are. So um, I wanted to offer that. Beautifully put. Thank you for that. Daryl, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? I think what Julie just said uh, to, to sum it up is this was the biggest universal wake-up call I, I've ever experienced and a lot of people in their lifetimes have ever experienced. It's a moment in time for people to make the decision, do you want to live or do you want to die? Do you want this environment to flourish or do you want it to be destroyed? Do we want to include other points of view in our lives and accept and embrace other or are we going to continue to separate ourselves and remain kind of uh, a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say selfish, but, you know, not be open to uh, experiencing mm -hmm. love. So I think the time is now. Don't sit back, get active, pay attention, and uh, lead with love. We talk about divine moments a lot on the podcast. This is certainly one of those. It is a divine moment, and we're all being called, and we're all being tested. And where we go from here, how we go from here, how we carry ourselves into the world, the decisions that we make, the interactions that we have, 
the uh, products that we choose to purchase, the words that come out of our mouth, I think are all much more important than perhaps they were a couple of weeks ago. And so it's also a call to action to be um, diligent and conscious with how you expend that energy. And uh, before we wrap, before we completely sign off here, I just wanted to note that um, Daryl and Zoe opened up their home the other night uh, for friends and um, and friends of friends to drop by so that we could all kind of sit together and share our thoughts and our feelings and, and uh, our opinions and what's going on with us uh, over the recent uh, current events. And that was a really beautiful thing. It was very healing and, and I got a lot of clarity and I got certain questions answered and a lot of insight about how to, how to move forward. And I think that you know, first of all, thank you for doing that. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah, You're welcome. Uh, it's beautiful. But that's scalable and rec replicable, right? Anybody can do that. So if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling confused, if, if, uh, if you're not sure um, about how to proceed, maybe uh, host one of these events at your house, just a potluck, or it can be something super casual, invite some friends over um, and just, you know, orient an evening around, uh, having a free, open, non-judgmental discussion about what's happening. And, and uh, I think you will find it to be uh, a fantastic experience. Yeah, and share tools and, and uh, processes for taking care of yourself or recipes and also ways that you can get involved um, so that you can become a creator of your life. Absolutely. Humanity for Progress is another great organization to join into if, if you're looking for... Uh, one to uh to join just like rich is saying right and i'll but create to your own notes. too that's great all right well thank you both for being uh courageous enough to go on record here <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so much rich uh i appreciate it uh thank you for listening and particularly thank you to any trump supporters who have made it this far in the conversation i applaud you i welcome you to my show uh and i encourage you to reach out to me i'd love to talk to you in the spirit of expanding my bubble um i appreciate uh i appreciate you guys the the audience out out there for allowing me to take uh, a little bit of a new direction with the podcast this week and like i said we'll be back uh late sunday night with our normal programming and uh that's it Peace, plants. Namaste.